Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars podcast, and we are your hosts tonight, Nate and Thomas. That's me, Paranoid American. Uh, I'm so stoked. We are bringing you the great Illuminati watcher, Isaac Weishoff. Welcome, brother. What's up, guys? I'm just out here looking for the Illuminati, man. I, you know, it's funny. I haven't heard that. Uh, I haven't heard the introduction of the... I used to go by the Illuminati watcher for years and years, and uh, slowly morphed into going by the Isaac Weishoff alias, which, you know, I got to throw out the forewarning to new... new uh, People new to my work, that's not my real name. I am not related to Adam Weishaupt. So, just throw <laughs> so that he out there. says, folks. So he says. Uh-huh. Double psyop on psyop. <laughs> yeah. We don't know where it goes. But no, yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, absolutely, brother. I want to ask, we said a little bit beforehand, but like, do you have anything you want to plug? You want to uh, throw out the best place where we can find you? I mean, I got I do a segment on my show called Grifter Alley where I pedal all kind. I got so much stuff. I got shirt. I'm I'm fucking I, sorry. Can I swear on here? Or no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'll try not to swear. Uh, but um, I uh I do I like space balls, right? I got t-shirts. I got signed books on my Gumroad store. I got my podcast, and uh, I've got nine books on Amazon and Audible. I mean, it's all over the place. So, um. Anyway, I can. I, if anyone wants to, if they want to learn more, go to allmylinks.com backslash Isaac W. It's all over the place. So yeah, that's, that's about it, man. I'm not working on anything, any special particular projects right now. Uh, just kind of the general research of what is the occult? What do they believe? Where does it manifest in pop culture? And that's kind of what I do constantly. So yeah, nothing. Love in, it, man. But, You're the best at it. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you. Thomas, you said you had something to promote, buddy. What's new? Going oh yeah, on? I got, I do got some. I, I wanted to throw out too, Isaac. You, um, I f- don't remember what the website is, but where you review movies, uh, you're on fire on there, bro. That's like my favorite place to follow you. What is oh, it? Box or something? Yeah, Letterbox. Letterbox. I saw Letterboxd. you followed me. I countered the follow there. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's funny. I'm sure as you guys sort of uh, probably are familiar with social media, always it follows this evolution. I feel. You know, MySpace did it, then Facebook, and now Instagram and TikTok, where it's fun and it's and it's clever, and there's like exciting videos that make you feel good and learn stuff. But slowly, political stuff starts infusing in there, and then it's just black pill nightmare, and you're just like, I gotta get out of here. And that's why I once Aunt Karen gets an account, you know that it's just downhill, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and that's what um, Letterbox. I like that because it's just movies and it's just reviews of movies, and uh, you know, I, I think it's great. I love it. So, so I do have some Grifter Alley type stuff here. I, I want to. I'm almost out of the original run of these Paranoid Pamphlet uh, MK Ultra Edition that you can get on ParanoidAmerican.com. They're almost out. So, if you want one of these original OG ones, you got to grab one and snatch it up quick. And then uh, this one right here has been making a resurgence on Amazon. It got black. It got kind of like banned for the longest time because it has the word chemtrails right in the middle of the book, and it's marketed as a children's book because it is legitimately. 100% a children's book about chemtrails that breaks it down and it's not snarky uh, and it's got all just facts in it. So like, come at me, bro. If you want to come at me on any of these facts, uh, they're all completely backed up. We cite government documentation, everything. So children's book about chemtrails, connect the dots. You definitely got to get this, even if it. it's just to, to give a finger to Amazon and say that you supported a, a you know paranoid American chemtrails book through them. 
So there, there it is. There's my grift plugs. Hey, Thomas, you said you said Amazon blocked that book for a while. For the longest time, they wouldn't allow any advertisements for it, and then the organic sales would just be absolute zero unless I paid for some kind of promotion. Um, oh. And then all of a sudden, over the last month or so, just organic sales just started coming in, and it actually comes up in search results now. Before, even if you search the entire title, it wouldn't come up unless you got like every single character right. So I don't, I haven't, I've never seen that on any of my books on Amazon before. And I, the only thing I can think of is that the chemtrails word flagged it and put it in a special naughty boy category, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to with my adrenochrome book too. That oh, you dude. warned me about, but yeah, man. Yeah, you're 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 uh, uh, begging begging for uh, trouble with that thing, but I like it, man. I come at me, it. bro. I got I got the names, <laughs> dates, and receipts, man. It's it's not speculation, well, and that's you know, the difference. You, you and I know that there's a there's a, a counter narrative they're trying to run. And in fact, I was going to tell you, I asked that because. In 2020, I did. I'm not going to say the words because, you know, these are charged words. But there's a. This will only appear on Rockfin, so you don't have to. Oh, really? This is only Rockfin. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, So I wrote a. I did eight episodes on vaccines, and funny enough, my very first book I wrote, a grand unified conspiracy theory. I actually back in 2012, I think I wrote that, or 2011. You sent me an advanced copy of that one too, way back when. Yeah, yeah when you, me, and Thomas were hooked in. You were one of the first people I like interacted with in this little network of conspiracy people, right? And um, I, there's a section in there where I talk about big pharma because I've always been skeptical of big pharma. And when I wrote that first book, I it wasn't very intelligent. A lot of the stuff it was a lot of opinion, sort of early red pill days. And I had a section on vaccines, and I kind of defended them in a way and said. You know, not really my thing. I don't really like them that much, but I, I think they work fine. I think they do a good job of keeping down, you know, measles and all this crap, right? Polio, whatever. And I did some research in 2020, a lot of research. And I wrote, I, I, I did eight shows on it. Then I compiled it into a book that was about 80, 90 pages. And, you know, the, the conclusion I came to was, you know, it, it everyone wants to say vaccines are safe and effective and i'm kind of on the other side of the research i say i don't know maybe like maybe they're kind of safe and maybe kind of effective that's kind of where i categorize them like i'm not one of these people that's like oh my god no one needs to take it it's the bio it's the uh what what does alex jones call it the binary weapon and it's going to turn you into uh whatever i don't reptilian shape-shifting people like i don't know maybe right but anyways i tried to publish this very nuanced well-documented, well-referenced um, book on Amazon. And I'd written, like I said, I wrote nine books with crazy titles about the Illuminati and blood sacrifices and conspiracy theories and all this stuff. And they uh, they blocked it. It said blocked. And I'd never seen oh, wow. that before. No, I haven't seen a blocked one before. Yeah, I, it, it you know, and I don't know. I, I can't explain it. It's the only time I've ever seen it happen. It happened in about April of 2020 when it was a very hot subject, you know. And uh, that was back when they were banning that dude from New York Times that wrote. I, b- I bought his books on on vaccines and stuff, and they blocked his books, and then l- later allowed him to do them again. But anyway, yeah, crazy stuff, man. The censorship is real, and it it is funny too because I think they would be more censorious actually, or censorious towards something like yours that is more open minded, that kind of has like that like cites their sources and kind of has more of a like nuanced opinion. I think they dislike that more 
Huh. They want to pigeonhole the alternative. Like they'll kind of promote, like there's a reason why that, uh, what's that, like what's in the water or like, what's that new one that he made about like the Vax that's like, everybody's you're getting all the blood clots and all that. Like you can still find that like on YouTube and shit. You can find that on Instagram. You can find, there's a reason why, because they want to make the opposition sound fucking kooky. Yeah, and so I, they uh, like that. They love that shit. That's uh, you're talking about Stu Peters. Yes. Yeah, Stu Peters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, he's, he's an interesting character with his uh, you ever see his rap videos and stuff? <laughs> I haven't, I've heard about oh, him. I need to, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think he's a you know, you know, we're all in the same. I always say this, you know, it's like Alex Jones and Stu Peters and you know, some of these fringy conspiracy guys. You no, know, we're all in the same family. Like, I, I'm not trying to, I, I would never demonize anyone who wants to question the uh, social construct because I, you know, I, I don't profess to know all the answers. Uh, but like, that's a little too fringy for me. Some of that stuff. And, you know, Stu Peter, it is interesting. Stu Peters is, I've, I've seen his name popping up all over like news websites when I'm researching stuff. And I'm like, it is interesting how, you know, Marjorie Taylor green, she's talking about Jewish mm -hmm. space lasers and stuff. And she's a politician now. It's like, it is interesting how they let certain voices, like if you're just fringy enough, like now yeah. you can have a thing. But if you, if you are trying to, I always say I'm, I'm half normie, half truther, because, you know, I, I very much associate with normies in my day-to-day -day life. I don't, I don't just, I don't just put my blinders on to the normie viewpoint of the world. Uh, I just, I question both sides of it all the time. And sometimes it's disheartening, right? Like sometimes the truth or perspective is disheartening to me because I don't always agree with everything, especially when, you know, you get into political angles. Like, it's just not my steez. Like I'm not, I'm not a, make America great Trumper kind of guy. I never thought he was the savior. I didn't, I never liked the guy, which is funny because but him and the white hats are going to save us though. Right. Yeah. Just waiting for it any day. Now, any day we're getting TikTok guys, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And, and now um, I, I can tell you, I don't know if I ever told the story on my shows or not, but my dad actually met Donald Trump back in the nineties. Uh, and he loved him. He thought he was a great guy. Cause he, we were in Atlantic city at a uh, at a bicycle race because Trump used to do these things called Tour de Trump. Um, I don't know the details. My dad was really big into cycling. Always has to years. add his name to everything. Uh -huh. to love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's good at branding. Yeah, and, he, and that's what's funny is like I actually think Donald Trump's a funny guy, man. I just don't want him to be our president, but I I actually think he's hilarious. Um, his troll game is like on point. But he <laughs> he was at uh, in Atlantic City, and my dad stopped stopped him while he was walking and uh donald trump was like talking to my dad and then he invited my dad onto this yacht that he had parked outside of atlantic city there so my dad comes over to my it was, it was like my mom my sister and me and i was probably i don't know 12 10 something like that i don't barely remember it and, and my dad's like hey trump wants me on the boat he's gonna give me some some like drinks and stuff so he <laughs> leaves and he goes to hang out on this boat and my mom who's like she's like Christian warrior, man. Like she was not trying to go into the casinos and hang out like none of that. So we just like kind of sit there quietly waiting for dad to get back. And uh, he comes back. I don't know how, like hours later, apparently, apparently it was a, a big to do. And uh, he was like kind of drunk and he was like, Oh my God, it was great. There's all these girls. on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey he, Epstein was in the back. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. But you know, but my, my dad died in 2012. So he never got to see Trump become president, which is a real bummer. But um, anyway, I don't know why I'm, I'm going on and on about it, but sometimes uh, 
my point, what I'm trying to get at is I like, it's hard to do this, but I'd like to give my perspective of not going too, too black pill, not going too deep into the conspiracy world and trying to tether back the reality. Um, Cause I do think that there's something to be said for that because if you get into this conspiracy world, sometimes it just, man, it just pulls you down and you just, let me pull you into the abstract a little bit more and, and playing off what Nate was saying, because it's almost like, the people that do act as that extreme, like anyone that wants to act the fool and paint themselves as that future sacrificial lamb, it's almost like they get a little bit extra boost uh, for whatever reason, because it's like, we want to see that happen. And you could almost relay that to Donald Trump, right? It's like this idiot wants to run. He represents these things that we can just characterize and turn into these cartoonish uh, sort of abstract things. But then you take a step back and I, I don't want to drop like the, the heavy philosophy so early on, but you got the Hegelian dialectics, right? Where it's just about defining the two endpoints of the spectrum. So mm. playing into that, right? If you see someone that shows up and they're just an absolute caricature of conspiracy culture, whatever that might be, or like right wing or conservative or whatever label you want to put out. If you can put that label on someone that's all the way on the end of that spectrum, then all of a sudden your alternative they can be on the other end of that spectrum. I mean, it's everyone understands like that those shifting goalposts as it goes and things get more extreme. But I think that each time that you see like some over the top personality get credit or some kind of weird conspiracy theory get credit where the other ones that are more plausible and nuanced don't is because they want to have those really easy targets to like keep pushing apart because now you've got a little bit more control of that situation. If it's nuanced, it's all happening on that noise in the, the middle and they want the fence sitters, right? Like the fence sitters, you can sway from one side of the, the energy to the other side. But the extremes, all you have to worry about is just keep pushing them out further and further until they just like bump off the side like it's flat earth, right? Mm. And then also control both sides of that spectrum, both polar opposites. Like I'm not saying that that someone like it. Alex say Jones is controlled opposite. But, <laughs> okay, I mean, if okay, he let's... wasn't, I mean, if he was, would you know the difference? Like sometimes some of the things he says i'm just like come on man <laughs> but but like the mk ultra perspective you just you sit back with your government pocketbook and you're like that guy's going all the way to the end let's bankroll him and just throw gasoline on that fire and sometimes that's all yeah. it is it doesn't yeah 100 they give him like the yeah. list it's just like bro you do you here's a well, here's 10 million dollars right go crazy like they were like hey here's a bunch of million dollars go back yeah go back to to russia and then that's when the revolution yeah yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a the the term useful idiot comes to mind, right? And I do think there's uh, to piggyback on what Thomas is saying. You know, if you look at that whole um, QAnon movement, which I was very critical of, and 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 because I, I politically I lean left of center, uh, that doesn't mean I am a supporter of the DNC. Um, I, my voter card is actually unaffiliated, but I also do have this sort of half of my brain that says, man, this is all rigged. This is all planned out. There's no point in voting, but I'm not ready to give up yet. You know, like I still want to fight the fight. Uh, a lot of times I vote for those third party candidates, which everyone says, Oh, you're just throwing your vote away. And I'm like, true. Yes. But if enough of us do it, like maybe you get some change because that two party system is just gang warfare. And ultimately it, they're on the same side. Um, a lot of listeners I'm sure are familiar with this idea, but I, I recently, they say two wings of the same bird. And I recently came to a conclusion that it's more of, it's more like 
Coke and Pepsi, right? Yep, 100%. It's all branding. And and yep. people swear, <laughs> oh, I'm a Coke for life person. I'm Pepsi for life. And I actually did the – me and my wife did the uh, – what do you call it? The Pepsi challenge a couple of years ago. And and I swore I knew what Coke tasted like over Pepsi because I swore I loved Coke. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't tell the difference. And then we did it again with the uh, – like that Sam's Choice Cola, like the, the two liters. RC, for, bro. Yeah, it's like basically RC like plus. Penny. Yeah. I couldn't tell the difference. I mean, when I did the tape and I was, and that's what I think politics is, is it's like, it's just branding of it's what, branding. what carrots they want to dangle. Um, but yeah, well, I got to do a shout out. A slightly to, different. Yeah. Go ahead. Thomas. Well, well, Cause Jordan Maxwell had my, my favorite analogy on this where you've got these two politicians showing up and let's say they, they're going to court and they're like suing over some bill or whatever. It's just like two basketball players on a court, same exact word, pet lobbying that ball back and forth. And like on the court, right? It's it's uh, cats and dogs. It's like just the ultimate rivalry. But off the court, they hang out together. They don't hang out with their fans that have been cheering for them and the people that are spending all the money on the tickets. They go and hang out with other basketball players that are their quote unquote rivals, right? And that's sort of how politics is. Like after they're all throwing venom back and forth, and maybe not, you know, like the squad versus you know some of the more like uh, Rubio or something, but. Like outside, they go to the bar in DC, they see each other, they're probably having a whiskey and not doing that with the normies, you know, even right. if the normies love them. Right. Yeah. Those old school conspiracy theorists, man, that, that's, that's something I'd like to, if I had time to focus more on is because Bill Cooper was kind of my first red pill, but guys like Jordan Maxwell, Bill Cooper, uh, James Selby Downard, even, you oh, can man. even lump Alex Jones in there. Alex Jones is one of the early conspiracy theorists. And, and, you know, like, like you said, like there's, there's a lot of things that Alex Jones says that I really don't agree with, but to be fair, I mean, the guy's on, he's basically doing like what, two, three hour shows every night. Like he's going to yeah. say a bunch of crazy shit. You know what I mean? I still have a big soft spot in my heart for Alex Jones. I love Absolutely. Alex Jones. If you yeah. just look at him like Ed McMahon, like all, all sins are forgiven because now it makes sense. Right. Ed McMahon. Yeah, he's like he's basically like the the head of the WWE or like oh Vince McMahon, like, Vince McMahon, or or so yeah, Ed McMahon, <laughs> yeah Vince McMahon. <laughs> but you but you look at him in that kind of uh, light, and all of a sudden everything makes so much more sense, and you don't get that the same views by acting rational and nuanced and subtle, right? You get because I remember him going into the DMV when I lived in in uh, Texas and actually getting arrested for yelling about like no idea or going to sea world it was down the street and ranting because they were having you do like a thumbprint or something or i can't remember exactly what it was or it was like an invisible like ink they would put on you that they could scan and this is back in the early 2000s and that was the mark of the beast right oh, yeah. uh, but but you know he got a lot of coverage out of that yeah yeah he's done he's done sea a lot man. He's... the mark of the beast dude it was <laughs> sick bro Get, hey, getting man, arrested and kicked out of sea world for ranting <laughs> to these little kids about the mark of the beast i mean it doesn't get better than that you're selling your souls to satan <laughs> it, t- it ties into the, the dolphins and and uh what's the name dr john c Lilly doing all that altered state research and things maybe i don't know just a, just an idea with sea world i don't know um, I, i'm 100 percent with sea world yeah it ties into yeah. <laughs> yeah i love it that dude just wanted to bang dolphins and everything else was just a weird like philosophical pretext for that i'm convinced <laughs> oh, so tonight we're gonna talk about something that i personally i told you i was triggered when i heard you say it and then i was like my audience is gonna hate this 
And so I'm excited. There we go. <laughs> Everyone needs to push their envelopes a little bit. Everyone needs to, you know, challenge their opinions. So uh, let's talk about how capitalism is their similarities to Satanism. Yes, indeed. Um, okay, so let me preface it by saying that my background and my sort of belief system growing up has been Christianity. Uh, I have a lot of doubts on some elements of it. My faith isn't the strongest. I'm actually not the most well-versed person on, on uh, Christianity or the Bible or things like that. I, uh, I'm, uh, I converted to Greek Orthodox when I was 22, uh, went through catechism and all that stuff, got baptized and all that. Right. Um, so now like, but I'm not, I'm not that theologian type guy. I'm not, Jay Dyer, right? Jay Dyer's like debating I'm curious, people. Did that have a marked um, change on you, like a lasting change, getting baptized later in life? You know, in, in the early twenties, or did it did it wear off and then you re- reverted back to like a similar state from before? <laughs> um, you know, I don't. It no, it, it holds a lot of weight with me because so I grew up in a in a, my mom. So it was weird, right? My mom would take me to church. It was a church of the Nazarene, which ironically is the same church that Charles Manson was raised in, not the same specific church, but you know what I mean? And, and it was kind of a Protestant sort of, I call them rock band churches. Like it had like the, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't my speed. Uh, I didn't get along with a real hip pastor. Yeah. Like a youth pastor, you know, some spiky hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tucked in shirt though, tucked into the jeans. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that came that came later. Earlier, it was it was fire and brimstone, and when I but I was too young to comprehend it. And I just, that's the one you want if you can choose. I think that's the one <laughs> you got to make it real intense. Um, but then uh, I met my wife. She's she was Greek Orthodox, and you know she she wasn't like a real fervent Christian, right? She was what they call submarine Christian. You know, come come for Easter and Christmas, and that's about it. And I really got into it. I went to a lot of book clubs with my church. Um, I feel the presence of God when I do show up for church. Uh, I always compare it to therapy, right? I go to therapy, been going to therapy for like 10 years. And it's the same with therapy. I never want to go. I always am waiting for, uh, like, I want my therapist to cancel it or something before. So I don't have to go. So I can be like, (laughs) yes, off the hook. Um, I never want to go. But every time I leave, I feel better. So that's one element of this now. I don't go to church regularly and that's simply because I'm lazy. I don't want to get up early on Sunday and get dressed up. Um, I also, and this doesn't play a part in that, but there's elements of my faith that I question and don't necessarily adhere to. They are very, I don't want to say anti-gay, but um, there's elements of being sort of anti-gay that are involved in like taking communion and things like that, uh, which isn't me. So, so there's all that, right? I, I throw all that out there, but is that I, specific to Greek Orthodox? Because I haven't, I haven't heard that before. Um, so, like in Orthodoxy, they came out the, you know, I don't know, the Archbishop or whoever makes like the rules came out a couple years ago and said that if you got uh, gay married, that means you were committing to a lifestyle of sin, and therefore you could not take communion anymore. And look. I'm not, again, I'm not a theologian. I certainly haven't done my homework on those topics. 
maybe they're right. Maybe they have some kind of basis in the Bible or the understandings of Christ or whatever. I don't know. I, like, I don't profess to be smarter than these church fathers. I just, on its head, I think, gosh, I don't know. Like, isn't, isn't the church supposed to be like the hospital for the sick? If you want to believe that committing to a lifestyle of being gay is, is a sickness, if you want to believe that, which I don't, um, if you want to believe that, wouldn't you want people come to the hospital if they're sick? Right. So like there's elements of that, that I just, I'm like, man, I don't know. It seems like a bit sort of sexist sometimes with some of their patriarchal stuff. Sometimes I don't know. I mean, they're literally called church patriarchs, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've talked to my priest about this kind of stuff and he's like, well, you know, we venerate the uh, Theotokos, the Virgin Mary, uh, almost like on par with Jesus in a way. And so, I mean, there's, there's, like I said, I, I'm not the guy to talk to about those kinds of things because I'm just not that smart on it. I, I haven't done a lot of homework in that realm, but that is my background. So if you look at um, American capitalism from the perspective of Christianity, and look, I don't know how much this is going to be mind-blowing for the audience, but <laughs> in the Bible, they reference it multiple times. Like money is the root of all evil. I think that's in the book of Timothy. The love, love of money. Yeah, the love of money is rooted of all evil. Okay, and then uh, Christ flipped over the tables, you know, at the temples, and his beef was that he didn't want people monetizing the church, and you know, and all these and uh, what's to say it's like a, the saying about a rich man um, has a better chance going through the eye of a needle than making it into heaven. Uh, they talk about how the path to heaven is narrow, all this stuff over and over, right, and then. When you look at the roots of the foundation of America, and, and you guys know this, I'm sure, but it's, you know, it was started up by like the early Rosicrucians came here and, and settled in uh, like near, near Kelpius Cave in Philadelphia. And um, there's a lot of occult roots. Uh, Francis Bacon talked about this in New Atlantis. Uh, Manly P. Hall wrote a book called Secret Destiny of America. And even if you just go to Washington, D.C., you see a lot of you don't see any there's really no crosses or statues of Christ. It's it's pagan, Roman, Egyptian statues everywhere. Right. Uh, so, in a, in a way, America is supposed to be Babylon. And the yeah. early the uh, founding fathers, they were uh, what was it? What was it? I think it's called deists. Right. A lot of them were like Freemasons and deists, and they didn't necessarily believe in Christian values either. So you got all these things, and then for whatever reason, people fell in love with this idea that America is this, you know, Christian country from its inception, which isn't necessarily true. Um, They're look, talking about the Mayflower almost exclusively at that point, as if you know Plymouth Rock was the 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 main starting point, and everything came from there. But like you said, that's that's not where all the money came from, right? The money came from those Rosicrucians, right? And the, yeah. All the ones that settled DC. Cause they were trying to get away from the, the Royal family and the, the, um, uh, the Christian churches back there. Cause they used to be very uh, involved in people's day-to-day -day lives back then. It's hard for us to imagine that, but that's why the French revolution happened, right? People were tired of these, these Royal families making decisions with the, the, uh, the church fathers and telling people what to do. So they all left Europe because they're like, no, we want freedom to exercise our occult religion. So they came here. And um, yeah, um, oh, there was there was a good point I had in there. Um, I lost it. Darn it. 
yeah the, anyway so the, from the roots you can see that there was a lot of occult sort of belief systems embedded into this thing and you know in the in the francis bacon new atlantis writings and stuff like that they talk about how they want america to be this utopia ran by scientists um and obviously science is at odds with religion in a lot of ways and if you look at what we celebrate in this country it's it's we we believe that capitalism is like the great we think that god himself gave us capitalism and i'm not here to tell you that communism is better i actually think capitalism is probably kind of the best thing we got going i i wouldn't advocate for anything but but i also don't deny the fact that capitalism is about exploitation it really is it's about you know i want to start a business if i want to open up a uh, a mcdonald's and because i want to make a million dollars a year of income i'm going to hire people that will do labor so the labor and the materials will amount to less than what i can take home so it's about me exploiting labor and me paying people less and less now, granted, like I said, it's a pretty good system. I'm not here to say that that uh, the free market capitalist system is bad. I'm just saying that it's not really Christian. I think it's satanic in a way because look at what it breeds. It breeds a lot of greed. And even if you look at the way the the religions and churches are set up, you know, L. Ron Hubbard, founder of the Church of Scientology, talked about how religion is like the ultimate sort of money-making grift. And it's because we have this and that's why i think kanye west started a church you know <laughs> he wanted some of that real money they want the real money and it's all scam and you know because the churches they they don't pay taxes then on top of that they can invest the money and they don't pay capital gains tax on the dividends that they make uh, i live in utah and i'm not mormon but the mormon church just got in trouble the other day for not uh fessing up to having billions of dollars in these accounts you know, the Mormon church has like the most money in the whole world. And they're, and, and my only problem is that if they don't pay capital gains tax, then that's fine. But the problem is they still insist that people pay their 10%, which is what the Bible says to do. Like, I get that. But the problem is in capitalism, the two worlds don't necessarily jive all the time. So for instance, uh, we haven't had a minimum wage hike in forever. And if you look at how minimum wage is supposed to go up with inflation over time, like it's really screwed up. I don't know the exact numbers. I, I don't really have them off the top of my head. But the idea is that, well, you know, um, home these, these minimum wage jobs, McDonald's, Home Depot, those kinds of things, they, they aren't supposed to pay people a living wage. It's supposed to be uh, a starting entry level job. That's what people say. And that's not what the minimum wage system was set up to do. It was not, it was never supposed to be a starter job. It was supposed to be literally a living wage. And, you know, it, it's, to me, it's just, it just feels cold blooded to see people having to work their butts off and not really get ahead. You see the price of everything going through the roof. Eggs are like $10 a dozen. I don't know. To me, it seems like, if you look at capitalism as a whole, there's a lot of sort of satanic selfish ideas behind it because that's what it's all about is about greed and accumulating more and more. 
to the point of sickness, I think, in a way. And look, I'm not above it. I'm not sitting out here saying like, oh, yeah, I, I donate 99% of all my income. Like, I don't do that. Like, I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing. I'm trying to like, trying to like accumulate money so I can put into a retirement so I can quit someday. Like, I'm trying to do that too. So like, I'm not above it. I don't, I'm not like shitting on people for doing this. Um, I'm just pointing out that there's some satanic darkness behind it because if I lose, because, because in, in Christianity, you're supposed to do God's will, right? You, you put everything up to God's will and not my will. And when you start gaining too much wealth, it's very easy to get lost in that. I think I, just my perspective. I think you can get lost in that and you start coming up with excuses of why you deserve this or that. For instance, look at, um, what's that televangelist guy who looks like he is the devil incarnate. <laughs> yes. Tell me it's pop off, but it's probably not pop off. Cause no, that's no, a little no, bit. No. This I think is a uh, more modern Kenneth something. Oh, Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. Are you talking Copeland. about Kenneth? Yeah. Kenneth my Copeland. mom loves Kenneth Copeland. I've seen him in person. I've <laughs> oh, met him really? and shook his hand because my mom took me to see one of his. Yeah. Does she yeah. have like the plates and everything that Kenneth Copeland plates on the wall? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. But did yeah. he seem evil or no? Did he, did he, no, he was really rides? nice. Oh, okay. He was really cool. That's good. But yeah, I, I'm sure he's a piece of shit, but well, like those guys, like, like they fly yeah. private jets and they have, uh, you know, I, I, I get well, a lot we of, we also I'm... met Creflo dollar and Creflo dollar was, he was there as well. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was mm -hmm. the one that got in a lot of fucking trouble because he was asking his congregation. He said, look, Jesus wants me to fly all around the world and spread his news. And so what he really needs is for me to have this $150 million jet. Yeah. And I need you guys to get it for me. And his last name is Dollar. And it's just it's just so funny. The memes write themselves and Jesus never wants regular windows, right? He wants those big well, this was in Portland. stained yeah, glass right. windows. And <laughs> <laughs> but this was in Portland. And so like, cause that's, that's where I'm at right now. And there was literal like Antifa protesters just like yelling at him and like, dude, it was so funny. And he had to sit there and he was nice to him. And he just sat there and just had this long speech and he tried to make like an intellectual argument for why he still needs that jet yeah and, and that's still and that, needs that jet <laughs> and, and i follow uh there was a guy who was posting uh he had a whole account on preacher shoes he was like a shoe sneakerhead, and he would he would post like these expensive shoes these, pre <laughs> these pastors were wearing yeah is that and, the uh, one that got robbed in new york oh i don't know okay there's a really famous like i'm trying to remember what they call themselves it's uh Oh man, it's some sort of evangelism where they're trying to get money. It's like uh, prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, yeah. yeah and so he's work. just sitting there trying to, because dude, he had this sweet like, um, he had this sweet like Versace suit, and he had this like, anyways, he had this like awesome car. And, and at any one time, he'd have a hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry on him. And this this happened probably like two years ago. You can look it up. Uh, a bunch of dudes just walked into church with guns and robbed him no <laughs> and way. walked out, Oof. took all of his jewelry and. On TV, right? It was like I think being so. Like live it was recorded. live. Yes, on a Sunday morning. But I wanted to inject a counterpoint here, not as an argument, but just to expand sure. the the scope here a little bit, because at the risk of sounding like a no true Scotsman argument, but it's hard to even say that like the guy that wants to open up the McDonald's franchise and just basically yeah. leeches entirely on people that are willing to work for the absolute least be, for whatever reason, right? But that only exists because that franchise 
is owned by this parent corporation, McDonald's, who has all of these real estate properties and they're in good with the Chamber of Commerce. And they they have this generational uh, partnerships with people that, you know, they might not no longer be the governor of the state, but their kid or their cousin's definitely going to be soon enough. So all these like back deal, you know, backroom handshakes and stuff it almost pollutes the idea just as everyone's like, that wasn't real communism, you know, <laughs> like some of the, the horrible aspects that we bring up about greed and everything specifically, it's, it almost makes it impossible because if there's even one company that the government allows to work outside of this, like scope of, you know, agreed upon ethics, if they're allowed to work outside of that, now all of a sudden they have an advantage over every single other person in that exact same space. So now you either, succumb to this big giant or you start adopting to the rules that they're playing with and try to emulate them in order to stay above water yeah and, I, and as yeah. as a like a uh, very subtle defense of it but capitalism I, I tend to look at like it's a math formula and the, and the formula basically says people are inherently greedy and they're inherently selfish so let's build a system that embraces that and and works with it as opposed to trying to ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist or based on some kind of ideal. And I think that's why it's maybe the best thing that we've got so far is because it's like it, it takes you in warts and all, whereas almost every other system assumes everyone's just going to be perfect and not deviate, whereas capitalism yeah. almost allows for a little bit of deviation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I've heard I've heard that before uh, about how like the communist stuff that failed in the Soviet Union and things like they didn't account for when they first started trying communism, actually, um, they didn't account for the, uh, the greed. Right. Cause, and, and that's the one thing you can count on is that um, generally all humans are going to have some greed and you, and you pretty much have to accommodate for that. And that's what the communist communism system did not do. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And, and that's kind of the way it, and, and capitalism, again, uh, I do think it is the best system there is. And it gives it gives the most level playing field. I feel like, you know what I mean? Um, but I was reading a, I work, here's my concern. Here's, here's why I even like mentioned it on my show before. I feel like Trump and the whole QAnon thing and this Russia stuff. I feel like there's this element of trying to push for fascism buried in the psyops of all of that. And that's based upon, there's a book by Professor Ben Teitelbaum called War for Eternity. And he was hanging out with Steve Bannon and he found out that Steve Bannon was a proponent of this philosophy called traditionalism. And traditionalism is about going back. It's about rejecting modernity, you know, and, and basically the idea is to have a strong fascist patriarchal leader. And he got that from um, there's philosophers like Rene Guénon and Julius Evola, and these philosophers influenced Putin's right hand man. Um, I can't think of his name. His his daughter uh, Alexander Dugan. That's his name. Alexander Dugan is Putin's right hand man, and he's a like almost like a terrorist for this kind of thinking. Uh, if you recall, his daughter got bombed. Uh, killed in a car bomb not too long ago because they were trying to actually take him out. And I think the Ukrainians were some shit. I don't know. Like again, I, geopolitics isn't my angle, but um, my, my concern is of us being duped into some kind of authoritarian fascist dictator situation. 
And it's interesting because I've sort of felt this for a while and I sort of try to support that with the traditionalism talk. Uh, I interviewed the, the uh, professor Ben Teitelbaum who wrote War for Eternity. Um, I did several shows on it. And then, and, and, and look, we could, we could dissect the whole QAnon thing a bunch too. Like that, there's a million and one reasons why that was a bunch of bullshit. Um, but just recently I started reading a book by the late great David McGowan, you know, David McGowan who wrote the book about Laurel Canyon. Right. And he wrote a book in 2000. Um, hang on, I gotta get the title. It's called understanding the F word, American fascism and the politics of illusion. And he talks about how there was a, a definition in the Webster dictionary for fascism. Uh, I'm going to read it. I got the notes right here. It says, this, this was in 1980. It said fascism, a system of government characterized by rigid one party dictatorship, forcible suppression of opposition, private economic enterprise under a centralized government control, belligerent nationalism, racism and militarism. And what's weird is that in 1990, they changed the definition and they they basically just removed the sentence that said private economic enterprise under centralized government control. And what what he what he what he sort of postulates in that book he says look the government is supposed to be um the one to enforce these concepts like fair labor standards environmental protections antitrust laws things to protect the american public from corporations because corporations um and if you can go to this occult duality if you want to with this idea of uh you know black and white and how those are just two elements of the same thing. But corporations, they're not necessarily good. They're not necessarily evil. They just are. Their, their whole job is to make more and more money. And uh, like, like, like we were talking about, it's, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. Like It just depends, right? And the government is at some point supposed to sort of be the ones to you know, mediate that and, and keep it in check. But the problem is you've got these lobbyists and this what they call the revolving door and um corporate america essentially infiltrates the government and corporate america is actually governing itself which tell which basically is removing that part of the uh the fascism thing where it talks about how the economic enterprise has to be under government control well it's not necessarily the case all the time that corporations are under government control. Look at the, uh, look at the Ohio train derailment, for instance. Um, you know, and that <laughs> we're going to get real political here back in like, I don't know, 2014, the Obama administration tried to mandate these safer brake systems for these trains. The train lobbyists said, hell no, we're not doing that. They watered down the bill. So they didn't quite have to do it. Trump gets in. And the train lobbyists pay millions and millions of dollars to all these GOP candidates. And they effectively get rid of the, the rule entirely. Now, it's up to speculation as to whether or not that would have prevented this derailment from happening. But the idea was that there was a, uh, I, guess, I guess the way trains operate, when they brake, it's, it's like a serial braking system that starts in the front and goes back, 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 back. Whereas they wanted to propose a safer brake system that, that in parallel, you know, using Thomas's coding words here, <laughs> no, he, I know he gets it, right? Um, in parallel, every every car breaks at the same time, gets applied at the same time. Um, 
so again, it's just the idea that lobbyists kind of weasel their way into the government and remove that sort of safety valve to, to keep it in check. And in this whole book, uh, David McGowan is basically, he, he's dismantling every aspect of that definition of fascism. Um, and and I, I could try to briefly sort of go through it with my dumb ass, but um, rigid one-party dictatorship. Well, I kind of believe that because I think the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, both of them suck. Like, I don't think yeah, either sold, one of them. sold, bro. I'm, I'm already sold on that all one. Right, like, right. yeah, you don't That's an easy one. Anyone. That's an easy one. Then, um, then we've got the uh, uh, suppression of opposition, um, you know, whatever. Like, you could argue that the uh, social media and the mainstream media, which is owned by owned by six six companies own all the mainstream media right so how much real choice do we have there i mean they own they own all the uh the entertainment sorry my dog's barking it's distracting me um then you got this belligerent nationalism that's all the the hug flagging and and look i've served in the u.s military like like you won't find me stepping on a flag or burning a flag but i defend the rights of people that want to do that like you know what i mean um but you got all this, like, you know, Trump was always kissing on the flag and stuff. And, like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's like over the top. He would like stroke its hair. Like, it was it's so like... ridiculous. <laughs> um, and then, like, the racism, you could argue that we saw 2020, we saw a pretty ugly side of, of racism there. And again, like, let's not get into the rabbit hole of the psyops that was the whole George Floyd BLM thing. Cause I, like, trust me, like, there's elements of that that I think are shady. Like, the whole BLM thing turned out to be really shady. Um, and militarism, which, you know, all of our, <laughs> it's funny because all of, all of our budget ends up going to defense, which, you know, you could argue that that's okay. And that's, that's actually what strengthens the U S dollar. You could argue that. Um, but you could also argue that, well, if we didn't have to have such a, all of our spending go to the military industrial complex, we could maybe have universal healthcare. We could maybe have cheaper colleges. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an economics guy. I just know that under that definition of fascism, I don't think America is too far off. I mean, just join the military. Now you get all those free socialist. That's uh, what, dude, right? that's what, yeah. dude you know, I'm telling you, I, I associate with a lot of the military people ever since I got out and that you'll never meet a more right-wing bunch of people in your whole life. They, they generally, in general, they loathe the left-wing democratic socialist stuff. And I've never been in a more socialist environment my whole life than the military. Yeah, when, I, when I was in for those, uh, I went in for four years and during that time was when Bush, I mean, 9-11 happened and Bush basically raised everyone's pay across the board and like everyone just instantly was like, I'm a Bush supporter for life now. Yeah, I remember I, I was in too and I remember getting a check for like a thousand bucks. Yeah, I mean, I was it, like, it was significant, like, bro. It was yeah. significant. It was like all of a sudden like, wow, I don't have to eat ramen today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's And, and look, again, like I, I'm not here to say there's a better way or that this is all inherently evil or wrong. I just think there's elements of satanic doctrine there of man doing his own will in this capitalist system. And, and look, uh, you could go to um, one last point here before I, I quit rant and raven. Uh, the World Economic Forum. We as a conspiracy community, we all generally say like that's like Klaus Schwab is the devil and this is the New World Order Luciferian agenda whatever right well the world economic forum is comprised of like the the world's thousand richest corporations so i mean to me it's like well that's it right there man i mean it's it's it, and if you want to look at the you know look at the definition of corporation means to incorporate and that means to 
sort of create a soul. That's sort of a golem, right? It's a greedy golem in a way. And um, I think it was originally defined yeah. by the, the Catholic Church in like 1400s or I'm just I'm making that number up. But a long time ago, they basically defined a corporation in their terms. And that's, oh, really? that's our version of it is like the, the secular capitalist version. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The, you know, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting subject. I, I wish I had more time or I was smarter on all of these topics. I just kind of have this gut check of things. And um, like I said, I'm still reading that David McGowan book, but he his he lays out a very interesting argument because he says that, um, you know, George Orwell, who wrote 1984 and Aldous Huxley, who wrote uh, Brave New World. Um, those those guys are very much tied to intelligence agencies and MK Ultra, the CIA, all that stuff. Right. And he says that was done to sort of reset the bar. So basically it's we read those books and we say, Oh my God, like that's what fascism is right there. That's terrifying. They're, 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 they're doing all this stuff, monitoring every movement, all this stuff. That's authoritarian fascism. Thank God we don't have that. <laughs> but the reality is it's like, we are living that in a way, right? You know, the, Google, we 100% are. Yeah. Google spies on everything we do. I mean, you, we could get into this surveillance balloon nonsense. Well, uh, you mentioned Huxley, and not a lot of people mention uh, Aldous Huxley's brother, Julian Huxley, who is in the one of the forerunners of like this World Economic Forum type of thing. But they also set up the Huxley Foundation, which, as of like tw- like the two thousands and plus, was still pushing the same eugenics research and philosophy no that that they started back in the nineteen thirties with with the Huxley Foundation. Yeah. Yeah, that's obsession. That obsession with science. They think science is going to answer every single problem. And I, and again, like I'll point out the the sort of hypocrisy of me. I've got a master's degree in systems engineering, and it's um, you know, sorry, my dogs are very distracting. And like science has its place. Uh, Thomas, you know, you you know, you know, science stuff too, right? Like I've I've, I've coded before. It's like there's a, a valuable place for science in our daily lives. I don't think science is the answer to spirituality or the answer to the purpose of why we're really here. But I, I believe based upon, you know, Manly P. Hall and, uh, or uh, Francis Bacon's new Atlantis stuff, like that's what they think. They think the scientist and the wisdom, which this ties into the occult ideas, the wisdom and the intellect is the way of breaking free from this oppressive creation that God has forced us into these, these, you know, this goes into Gnostic thinking of, you know, my soul is trapped in this material flesh prison and it's a nightmare and I got to get out. And Elon Musk says, yes, we're living in a simulation. Let me help you get out of the simulation. And meanwhile, they're building a digital you in a simulation. Yes. Yes. I, I yeah, don't know. Dude. No, it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah, there was two thoughts. When you said that, my, my brain went in two different directions. And one of them was uh, just as far as like um, Anton LaVey, he was actually, so I was doing a little bit of reading on this. So Satanism claims to be atheist, right? The worship of oneself as God, uh, ourselves being the most important person of our own subjective universe, right? That's like, that's like the tenets of Satanism. And I was reading back because, man, I was like, man, that sounds like objectivism. That sounds like Ayn Rand. And then I found out that Anton LaVey was like a huge like simp for for Ayn Rand and wrote like (laughs) most of like or not most but a lot of the satanic uh tenets based off of objectivism which was Ayn Rand's philosophy of just like radical individualism and like radical capitalism 
Mm. And it's really fascinating. So I found that that connection. And then the other connection that I was finding was just like uh, the Fabian Society, like started in 1884. They, they were uh, so their founding members were um, they were left wing like uh, intellectuals that really liked uh, like Karl Marx's like socialism and things like that. But they thought that to they had to go the low, the, the slow, the slow and steady way. They thought that like revolutionary socialism, like like saw in like uh, Russia, right? They thought that, that was too that was too much, and that they were going to get too much fight, uh, too much of like a pushback. So they wanted to go slow and steady, and so they actually they called themselves the Fabian Society um, after Fabius Maximus, who was like a Roman general who did like uh, basically the first like guerrilla warfare like fighting uh, the barbarians that were trying to take on Rome. And so he took on a new, like, like slow and steady and just, and then hit when he needed to. And so that's like the Fabian societies. They say like, uh, for the time we strike, we wait, but when we strike, we strike hard. That's like their motto. And And so their logo is like a, like a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? A wolf in sheep's clothing. And the other one is a tortoise, the slow and steady. Yeah. It's really crazy. And and this one, my understanding of this one is like, don't try to change it in our lifetimes. Try to change it in your grandchildren's lifetime and do everything you can to set that up, which I would say that's that Hegelian dialectic where it's like, we need to just keep moving these guys outward. And then we'll know when to strike is when, like we no longer have to jump all the way to the edge. We could just like jump into the middle a little bit. No one will make a big fuss about it. Yeah. And what you have to know about these guys. So it's uh, George Bernard Shaw and it was a lady named Annie Bissett who was the head of the Theosophical Society. <laughs> so uh, after the death of Helena Blavatsky. Uh, so these guys have like way back occult uh, ties and they have been setting themselves up in government. And the... Uh, the Fabian Society is what started the World Economic Forum and what started the uh, the Economic School of Britain. What is that? The British Economic. Uh, oh, I can't find it. But you, you guys, you guys know the. It's it's a school that like basically everyone went to. Like I, I think Bill Clinton went there. So did uh, which I always thought was funny was. Um, uh, the girl he put a cigar in. What's her name? Monica, Monica Lewinsky. I love she it. That's, also went there. that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the girl and the cigar. Bam. Got it. Yeah. It's just, it's fascinating. So like when you yeah. watch somebody that like, when you watch the Fabian society, where they, where they've been and where they're going now, them starting the world economic forum. And you, you see things like Klaus Schwab uh, say that he has like, all of these different folks inside of like Canada's parliament. And he says like, we have all these, we have all these like my little stooges basically there. He's saying that we have a bunch of like Fabians there. And Mm. so I see, and they they basically are world capitalism, right? The world economic forum is like this giant corporation of this mega conglomerate of capitalists. And I just see just a huge, like, I don't know. Tell me where I'm wrong, but that's where I was seeing yeah, all well, these like connections there. There's, there's a couple things. Let, let me let me address a couple things here. Um, we'll start back with you were talking about Anton LaVey. If you read the Satanic Bible, I believe he directly cites social Darwinism, which is the idea of um, uh, what do you call it? Right is might is right, right? And the idea that like the survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest. There you go, there you go. That's a smarter way of putting it. Um, which is very much a capitalist sort of idea, right? 
uh, survival. Can, can I just add here that we're talking about LaVey Satanism, not LaVey, like that's yeah. true, not just one because there's other types of Satanism that they absolutely worship Dark Lord and sacrifice and everything, but LaVey is more like everyone get drunk and take off your clothes and let's have some fun and talk about politics and art. Well, and, and that's where that's where things get dicey because kind of like you were talking about the Fabians and stuff, uh, the, you know, Theosophy and um, Aleister Crowley and Alice Bailey, these names show up, like, like Alice Bailey shows up in United Nations type stuff. They got this cube altar stuff or whatever at United Nations. So there's elements of liberal thinking that ties into the occult. And this is where I get kind of conflicted, right? You talk about the Lucius Trust, right? And the Lucius reflection yeah, room there. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you know, Alistair Crowley was very much a libertine and very much hey when Crowley you know, was like this with uh Aldous Huxley too. They 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 spent the a lot of time together yeah. in Berlin. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Crowley introduced him to masculine, which led him to write Doors of Perception. Right. You know, and Crowley's very much, you know, he says do what thou wilt, which is more very capitalist of a, of a uh, <laughs> yeah. It's more of a statement of trying to find the universe's um, plan for you and pursuing it at any cost. But but he was very much an advocate of all kinds of uh, taboo, antinomian sort of perspectives. Um, and and it's hard because for me, I I actually am a pretty socially liberal guy. But then I re- do this research, and a lot of these occultists are sort of lead you down this path. And then I think about my faith, and it says, well, you know, some of this stuff's bad. And I get very conflicted. So I, that's why I try not to, <laughs> I try not to like assign blame or assign right and wrong. Cause I really don't know. I just make these observations. And couldn't and, you say that, that uh give unto Caesar, uh, what is Caesar's is almost like a do what thou will, at least in the context of economy. <laughs> yeah. After you pay your taxes, do what you want. Right. Yeah, 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 well, get, and then spend your money, bro. <laughs> and, and one more thing on the, you, you're talking about the symbolism in America. We've got the symbol of fascism right there in the house of representatives. It's the fast side. That was one of the, my, my my first red pill was Bill Cooper. My second one was David Ike Freedom Road BHS tape. Yeah. Hell yeah! And he talks about how at the House of Representatives there's the, this bundle of sticks with the axe head, and the bundle of sticks is you know bound. That's the sim. That's called a fasci. It's the symbol of fascism. It's right there in the uh, in the Congress building. The the Lincoln Memorial too. That that throne that he sits on on either side of him. Those are fasci. Oh yeah yeah. So I don't know. It, to me, it just seems like that's kind of a, a i don't know it's kind of a hot take you could probably just there's smarter people than me that could probably dismantle all these arguments and well you know the economy is saying blah, blah, blah. like i maybe man i don't know i just i think I'm, it's more like hey you see this this uh axe and this bundle of sticks behind me like yeah yeah we're, we're peaceful now we live in a democracy now but all you gotta yeah. do is reach back and grab this guy yeah. and then it, it changes right yeah yeah i think it's like a very delicate system and they gotta sort of keep everybody uh pacified and that's why i just i was watching a bill cooper clip the other day and he makes this statement about he's like why do you think these guys who play basketball a dream fantasy job why do you think they get paid millions and millions of dollars a year it's because they're very important to this system we live in they're very important in this roman bread and circus to keep us distracted and it's a tool right so i don't know to me that all resonates but i also don't live in portland so you know, you see the other end of it. I live in Utah, which is like the most conservative to the point of being a nanny state. And you live in Portland, which is probably on the it's other so end of the spectrum. so liberal that it becomes a, man- a nanny state. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's like, I, I want to live in between the two. Where's that? Uh, and I live in Florida, where, where those both sides of the spectrum are snorting bath salts together and then get into a fight and then buy each other drinks. 
<laughs> that was great dude i mean i'll tell you something about portland just this is just a little one-off there's these two white girls that like started making tacos and they had a little taco truck and they talked about going to mexico and finding these recipes from little abuelitas little grandmas that sounds and stuff. problematic bro and, that sounds well that's what happened they came and they said you're too white to be making these tacos and they got ran out of town oh my god so, I mean, that's, that's too Portland that's for you, man. Like, I, like, goes bad, I loved man. America. It's like, what are we going to be? We're going to be a melting pot. Like, I'm, I'm a beaner and I'll make euros. <laughs> we can all melt, like, but you melt into tacos, your corner. You know, like, I'll melt into my corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's silly, man. It, it gets, it gets silly out here for sure. Yeah. And that's where, you know, some of this, some of the woke stuff, I, I actually went on a little uh, tirade about the woke thing. Cause I, I actually, years and years ago, my end tagline of my show is stay woke. And that was back when it had a different sort of meaning. <laughs> yeah. And since then, it's been so like blown out of the water. Like I'm surprised people still listen to my show after they my, hear that. My first run of these, they were it was used to be called Get Woke MK Ultra, oh, and funny. then like that whole thing changed. And I was I was like, giving it to someone. They were like, I don't get it. Where's the woke part? I'm like, what do you mean? Where's the woke part? Like I just yeah. broke down the whole MK Ultra. They're like, no, where's like the trans rights and the my first and Twitter I handle was the woke contrarian. And, yeah, it didn't oh, mean, yeah, I felt like such an old person because I had someone that was clearly like a decade younger than me explaining to me like how I was misusing this word in a horrible way. Uh, yeah, it used to mean something different. And anyway, I you know, you could argue that the foundation of the word woke is let's just be considerate to each other. But then it kind of goes off the rails with, well, I identify they, they co-opted it, bro. They co-opted that freaking word, man. Yeah, it got co-opted and, and wrecked because the ultimate, the ultimate control thing is division. Like that's what they want. And when they can, when they see, it's it's like why they took out, uh, you know, Tupac and Martin Luther King and, and Malcolm X. Like they see anyone who can maybe make a real significant change, and they gotta go. You know, and that's what they did with like uh, this woke movement. And they turned it into like crazy stuff talking about how women have front holes now instead of vaginas like that was it's just crazy <laughs> right anyway chest feeding yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier but i think the exact same kind of thing happened remember the occupy wall street where it was this organic movement and then it got pigeonholed into it's all black block everyone's just smashing windows and that's what the whole movement has always been about and then that all of a sudden now becomes this template so now whenever someone sets up a big protest it's like oh you guys are just doing that occupy thing you guys don't know what the hell you're doing yeah. um and i think that that repeats itself over and over yeah and then they always they always the the conspiracy people can always seem to find the um inevitably there's some kind of intelligence agents always in the crowd the guy with the boots right the, the boots that match all the cops boots but yeah. he's on the other <laughs> yeah. side wearing yeah. like some some like green wig right <laughs> yeah yeah anyway it's interesting how they keep us divided though that's that's the ultimate uh sort of strategy i think and i guess in closing for all the screaming capitalists that are in my audience right now um i would just say don't be libertarians. The fact, you know, the folks that like, kind of what Ayn Rand did, kind of simped for corporations so hard that, um, like, just question the system that we're in. You know, I mean, because you know, we're all conspiracy theorists here. We should be questioning absolutely everything. So start thinking about like, why is it that we've been a capitalist system for this long, and what does it mean to be a capitalist system, and where where does the fascism come in? And uh, just like you said in that definition where it says that like fascism was, it was basically the marriage between the corporation and the state. 
And that's that's where fascism is. And that's kind of if you look at it, that's where we are right now. And that's where we're moving towards. And it to me, it just gets grosser and grosser. And there's more control. And with this like technocracy and things like that, um, like myself, I'm what's called an agorist. And so it's like it's black market anarchism. It's like um, it's kind of like under the table capitalism. So like to me, no rules, no regulations. Like if I've got chickens in my yard, I'll trade them to you for ammo. We don't, we don't pay taxes. We just do a quick little dirty exchange. It's barter, it's trade. It's like, to me, that's like pure capitalism that I like to see like localism and like small communities of people like-minded that work together. And that's where, that's the beauty of capitalism to me. Uh, and then you see the corporatism that has just kind of taken over and corrupted this entire gross system. And that's maybe what I'm really questioning. And really it's these corporate elite psychopaths that have been pushing this and look at their ties to things like the, 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 the theosophical society, <laughs> theosophical <laughs> society and to the Fabian society, to the world economic forum. Like these people don't have our best interests in mind. And so just question everything is what I'm saying. Here, here. Yeah. And I want I want to throw in here just on, you know, pun intended a little bit, but devil's devil's advocate for the capitalism and Satanism. Again, I think it's more that capitalism embraces and and acknowledges that Satanism exists in the form of just sins, right? It acknowledges it exists, but it doesn't mean that capitalism is inherently Satanist. It just means that it's aware of how that works and it's like okay we can work with you and i i could make a strong argument on another long uh, uh talk here but that really it's socialism and communism that's truly satanist because that's exactly what the origins of animal sacrifice used to be is you would bring you know your cattle up to the phoenician temple and you would make a big offering to you know mechar or something but then they would have an actual like like a document that would say okay if you bring us one cow then the poor get you know one eighth of it and then this priest gets one quarter of it and this priest gets a third of it so that's kind of how like the original pagan animal sacrifice like quote-unquote you know pagan satanism started was through like i'm gonna bring the things that i raised give them to the priest and then the priests are gonna redistribute it to the poor it was it was literally wealth redistribution before they had a system of currency that's fascinating. That, that's that's a good point. And in fact, yeah. um, uh, Michael Hoffman's book on secret societies, he talks about, he makes a good point about how a lot of, because one of the hot topics is climate change, right? Is it real? Is it not? Is it a control system? And the concern that I see with that is, uh, because I'm also like, let's protect the environment, let's protect the air, let's protect the animals. I'm, I'm very much into that. The problem again, you got to have a balance on all these things. It's kind of like, kind of like what Thomas is saying there. There are satanic elements to capitalism. It's, it's, it's like as long as you're aware of that and you keep that sort of beast in the corner of the room, know that it could be a great system for everyone else. As long as you like keep that stuff in check. Well, if you go too far into, um, you know, earth worship, you get into a lot of this, this sacrifice stuff. Like you in his book, he talks about. You know, but when you when you get deep into these pagan earth worship religions back in the day, it was like, okay, I want to walk to the next village. I've got to sacrifice three chickens to pay off the gods to make sure they don't strike me down on the way over there or whatever. Uh, so again, but a lot of that, too, I think over time was was really like 
that was you getting on and off the freeway and having to pay the toll road. It was like on the way out of the city, you got to give yeah, us three chickens. Yeah. And then on the way in, you got to give us three chickens. And over time, it was like, what are these idiots doing? Just killing chickens so they can make safe passage. No, that's right. like, so they're allowed to go back home and, you know, and, and not be basically like ostracized out of their community for leaving without giving, giving something back. Yeah, and it's interesting that analogy with the toll booth because you, you sort of put your blood, sweat, and tears into earning your income. And then that that blood, you know, is, is passage to the, you know, to drive on the road or to have a home or whatever, right? Um, yeah, these are all interesting ideas, man. I, I'm glad I'm glad you guys uh I'm I'm happy you guys allowed me to uh, flesh out some of these thoughts. I, like I said, I, I'm not a I'm not an economist, I'm not a religious guy necessarily. Uh these aren't necessarily arguments that I, I would live and die for but you know what dude those those thoughts. super religious and those super economist guys don't necessarily live in the system that they describe like the three of us actually live in that system so i think that sometimes we're more of an authority than like the experts are because the experts yeah. are talking from academia and theory and we're talking from practical experience yeah yeah cheers yeah fucking hey guys uh you want to throw some more plugs last minute um yeah, I, and just to <laughs> for people who aren't familiar with me, I actually don't talk about any of these kinds of things on my show. <laughs> I my show is occult symbolism and pop culture, and I I talk about occult religions and how they manifest in pop culture and TV and movies. Like I recently completed a three part deep dive on the occult symbolism of the Wizard of Oz. Uh, if people want to check out my show, uh, I'm on all the things. I'm on Rockfin and all that stuff. Uh, if you want to check out everything else, go to allmylinks.com backslash Isaac W. Uh, you can sign up for my email newsletter that gets you a free copy of my first book that I'll email to you. Awesome. Hell yeah. Thomas. You guys know me, paranoidamerican.com. And also um, my, my Instagram has been getting super spicy lately, spicier than it's ever been. And it's probably on its way out just because I stopped caring. Uh, but if you want to see, you know, it crash and burn in some of the flames, uh, check out Paranoid American at Instagram. We'll warm ourselves by the fire as yeah, long as it dude. lasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Isaac. Thanks. Appreciate it.